to Behind the Crime. I'm Ella Calora. I'm Rebecca Wood. And we have a special guest for part two. I'm Abby Lentini. I didn't say my last name in the first part, but I'm saying it now. Well, that's why they're that's tuning okay. in to find out. Oh, no. Yeah. Part two. Now they've officially discovered who I am. Of course. Exactly. So, in the last episode, we talked about Leonardo Cianciulli, or the soap maker of Correggio. But now it's going to be Ella's case, which is? My case is about Dorothea Puente, or the Death House Landlady. This case also goes by the House of Horrors. So at the time of her arrest, she was 59 years old. She was born January 9th, 1929. This is horrible. That's my birthday. Yeah. Why? Why would she do that? Okay, so... When she was born, it was in Redlands, California. She is the sixth child of seven siblings. Her parents were abusive alcoholics, which it is important to the case, so just remember that. Her mom was a sex worker and would bring men home, and her mom would lock her and her siblings in the closet with food when she had men over. Wow. And when she would leave the house for her, quote, work trips. Because Wait, so, like, she would go for, like, days at a time? Yes. Or, and like, for the weekend when she would go out to parties. And she would do oh. this because their dad was abusive. And most of the time he was just passed out on the couch. So their mom would lock all of her kids in the closet mm-hmm. with food until she could come home and take care of them. Hmm. Wow. So... Her dad was an abusive alcoholic. He was also depressed, and he passed away when Dorothea was just eight years old. One year later, her mom died in a motorcycle accident. So by the time Dorothea was nine years old, she had no parents, and her and her siblings were dispersed to different foster homes and to different relatives. And she was finally settled down in Fresno, California with some relatives. By the time she was an adult, so we're fast-forwarding a little bit, she would lie about her childhood. She would say that she was raised in Mexico and that she had 18 siblings, but only 14 of them reached adulthood. Very specific lies. Yeah. Which is also important for later. Okay. So in 1945, when she was 16 years old, she married 22-year-old Fred McFall. And at this time, she was living in Washington. Fred was a soldier who just returned home, and it was said that he groomed her into this relationship. Oh. Um, How old was he? He was 22. And she was 16. Oh. So... At this time, she was going by the name Sherry. The fact that she was a sex worker is what attracted Fred. Mm. Oh. So they had two children together. It was two daughters. One went up for adoption, and then the other one was sent to live with relatives. Okay. (laughs) Like what? She got pregnant a third time, but it was a miscarriage, and shortly after that, Fred divorced her in 1948. After she was divorced, she started lying and saying that Fred died from a heart attack. Oh. She would lie about everything. So after he left, she started drinking. 
and she also started committing petty crimes. She's about 19 years old now, and so young. She started forging checks and just stealing. So when she was 19, she was in a store and she was forging a check, and one of the clerks in the store got suspicious, and they called police. She wanted to leave, but the clerk was trying to keep her there before police could get there. And she ran away, hopped on a bus, but police knew where she was going. And Mm. she got sentenced to one year in prison. She also had to have a psych test or a psych assessment done. And it was found that she had low self-esteem, probably from her childhood. Mm -hmm. And she needed to have counseling and while she was in prison. So she was sentenced to one year. She only served four months, and then she was supposed to have one year of probation. She ran away shortly after, and they could not find her. Hmm. So she had moved to San Francisco and started sex work again. All at 19 still? Or like... No, at this point she was 20. 20? Okay. So not... Yeah. Did she have... A home? Or was she, like, no. living on the street? Okay. Yeah. She was just bouncing around. So, in 1952, she was going by the name Taya, and she married again. She married a Swedish man named Alex Jonasson, and he was a fisherman, so he wasn't around a lot. She lied to him about her job and also about her ethnicity, She said that she was from Mexico and all of that kind of stuff. And she continued to do the sex work. He began to become suspicious of what she was actually doing. So she decided to change her job, but she didn't completely go out of the sex working industry. So she just decided that instead of her taking clients herself she would just be in charge of other girls so she opened a brothel the building that she rented to run this brothel she told the owner that she wanted it for a book club he became suspicious after a while and called police the police went undercover and found that dorothea was running this brothel which is illegal she was arrested and she was sentenced to 90 days in prison. Hmm. So after this, Alex, her husband at the time, and Dorothea started getting in fights, and he actually got her admitted to a psych ward, and they decided that she was just a pathological liar, and she had an unstable personality, and she required antipsychotic meds. Checks out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> so then it's the in, second time she received mental health help. Yep. In 1966, when she was 36 years old, Alex divorced her. He finally decided that her explosive <coughs> behavior was just too much for him. Mm. She married again within the year to Roberto Puente, which is how she got her last name. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure why she decided to take his last name and why she decided to keep it after they divorced. They, Spoiler, they eventually divorced. Roberto was 20 years younger than she was. Oh, that's a switch up from her first marriage. I know. I know. At this point, she left the sex working industry completely. 
and she decided to become a nurse's aide in private homes. So she would work with elderly people, disabled people, alcoholics, and she would just help with everyday stuff. That's what a weird route to like go from. Yeah. Yeah. Like, did they know she had a brothel? Right. No. Like that would have been on record. I would. You would assume. No one was checking her record. And she had so many different names, right? Because this is yeah her third name. If you think about it, because it's her actual name. So did she go? Did she go to prison those two separate times as those two separate names? No, they knew who she was. Oh, okay. Well, that's why I was like, hmm. So interesting. Only after two years, she and Roberto divorced, but it's assumed that he left before that two years, and people think that he just married her to gain citizenship. Um. It's not confirmed, but people have thought that. So in 1968, she was 39 years old, and she decided to buy a house on F Street in Sacramento, California. It was three stories, 16 bedrooms, and she decided that she wanted to run a care home. And she just had that money to buy that house? Because she had been stealing her entire life. Mm. That's true, but don't when you get arrested, don't you like lose the money that you stole if you get arrested well, for stealing? After, after she got release she just went back to stealing so she that's just, just so back the money. crazy that she was able to get away with so much you know yeah it's also the time period like they're not gonna have as much security i yeah. guess too which yeah. takes into account for her to get away with it as well so she opened up this care home and <clears throat> it was for people who just had minor disabilities or minor illnesses and just needed someone to watch over them she would take on criminals like ex-cons who have been released and have been trying to get their life back together because other people wouldn't take them. Mm -hmm. So technically she did not have qualifications to be giving out meds, but mm -hmm. a lot of the people who went there needed someone to be keeping track of their meds. So she was in charge of what time and how much they were given. So the basement was for the tenants who weren't as rich so they were just in an open room beds like laid out all across the like giant open room the ground floor actually had rooms with beds and their own bathrooms they were for more wealthy people and then the second floor was just a full living space for her hmm. so she even had a professional come once a month to check everything and make sure that she was running it correctly to live there tenants had to sign over their benefit checks to her what which is where a lot of the issues start to come into play mm -hmm. so she would do this she told them because they would have to pay for their food and their board and what she did for them and then she told them that the rest of their money she would give back to them and help them figure out like how much they needed for what, but she wasn't telling them where the money was going. So at first it was going well, she was becoming more social than she had ever been in her life, everyone in the community loved her. In 1974, after running this business for many years, she uh, hired a groundkeeper who was Pedro Montalvo. 
she lied to him too about her background and after a while they got together this was her fourth husband he was a lot younger than her too quickly he became aware of her dark side and he ran away after a month and she divorced him after he just ghosted her pretty much and then still kept puente or however you say her last name after all that yeah Hmm. that was her last name from her third husband though i know that's what i you'd think if she were to marry no pedro that you know she would have had yeah so for the next few years she ran the house and kept stealing (laughs) from the tenants she also she would steal from her tenants but she cared for the children in the community which i thought was interesting considering she gave away her two children Um, yeah i've heard of this case before i didn't but I didn't hear those, like, that detail. Yeah. So she would just help them, like, buy their school stuff and give them food, which I thought was interesting because she gave up her her kids. Do you think that was just to keep up the image she have had? Oh, more than likely. Yeah. Probably, yeah. More than likely. So, and that would keep them from getting suspicious, too, you know? Yeah, for sure. Even though she's already suspicious. But I guess that the, with the years that she, you know, built up this now re- different reputation. Like. Yeah, because she's in a different town now, and they all think highly of her because she's doing all this work for people with disabilities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, in the late 70s, one of her tenants was arrested while they were out, and the tenant was in jail, but their checks were still being signed for, even though the tenant was sitting in jail. So then they found out that Dorothea was signing for the checks, and she had actually been signing for at least 40 people. Whoa. That's so many. That's a lot of people. So she went for a plead, and she only got five years probation if she gave up the house. Hmm. And she also had another psych assessment done. And this time she was diagnosed with unspecified schizophrenia. So it was possible that she had a couple different types, but they weren't sure exactly which ones. So Mm -hmm. it was unspecified schizophrenia. Mm -hmm. She was allowed to move at this time. And she did, she bounced around everywhere. Being on probation? Yeah, she was allowed to. So then she did bounce around for a while, but she really just wanted the home back. So in 1979, she went back to Sacramento, California, and became a nanny slash, like, maid for a family who lived on the exact same street of the house that she originally bought. Mm -hmm. So... She also, at this time, changed her look. She was in her 50s at this time, but she made herself look a lot older. She stopped dyeing her hair, Mm. and she would tell people that she was in her 60s. So she started working for this family as their nanny. It's the Eureka family. They were Mexican, Spanish-speaking, and they liked her because she could also speak Spanish. When she was able to do that, I'm not sure, but she (laughs) Well, that went with her story of being from Mexico. Yeah, I guess so. 
So they gave her the entire top floor of the house. It was a three-story house. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, they got super close, and they they just loved her. So after a while, Dorothea wanted other work, so she started working as a nurse's aide again, and she found a company that didn't check her history, because if they had checked her history, they would have found out that she was not supposed to be doing that anymore because she was arrested for improperly doing it this Mm -hmm. time she would go to people's houses after a while clients began to get suspicious one specific client esther who had heart problems and was getting better dorothea cared for but then she started getting worse again and it was found out that dorothea was drugging her slowly because she was esther was wealthy and dorothea Mm -hmm. didn't want to lose her as a client because she gave her a lot of money Mm -hmm. dorothea even because esther had doctors and the doctors got suspicious so Mm -hmm. dorothea decided to start bringing esther to a different doctor and the first doctor's or the second doctor sorry contacted the first doctors asking about esther And the first doctors warned them that Dorothea, you know, was acting suspicious when Esther was there. So then it was found that Dorothea was drugging her, and Esther fired her. They went to police, but nothing could be done because there was no technical evidence that Dorothea had done this. So 1982, she's 53 years old. She's at a bar, and she meets 74-year-old Malcolm McKenzie. They hit it off, and they go back to his house. Once they get there, he is starting to feel more drunk than he thought he was. He said that he felt sober in, in his mind, but drunk in his body. Uh-huh. And he couldn't move, but he was fully aware. And Dorothea huh. had drugged him and then robbed him. Malcolm, the next day, called the police... And two days later, she was finally arrested, and court was set for three months from then. You know three what months. that made me think of? It's possible she'd done that before when she was a sex worker, and they weren't going to report her because they were committing a crime. That's possible. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's possible she just, like, picked up her old tricks, but, like, he wasn't committing a crime, so why wouldn't he report it, you know? And it's yeah. not like, right, it's not like we're going to have evidence of that because... They didn't care about sex workers Yeah. Yeah. on top of that. So So, within that three months, she is with her friend, 61-year-old Ruth Monroe, who is her first victim. Well, victim that she kills. Mm. So, Ruth's husband had terminal cancer, And that's how Dorothea kind of got really close to her because she was trying to, quote, unquote, make her feel better. Mm -hmm. So Dorothea decided that they should start this catering company. But Ruth would be funding this. Dorothea convinced her to set up a joint bank account. And Ruth put in $2,000. Which at the time, I mean, I know it's like the 80s, but $2,000 is a lot of money. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So then by April, Ruth's husband had passed away. Mm-hmm. Dorothea did not care. She had Ruth move in with her. And soon after Ruth moved in with Dorothea, her health started to decline. Mm-hmm. 
one day Ruth's daughter came to visit and she saw Ruth in a really bad condition and Dorothea told her that she had had a mental breakdown and they went to the hospital and they had given Mm -hmm. her like a sedative which was not true her Ruth's one son had had a similar situation where he went to visit her and found her in a condition like that so soon after that Dorothea called Ruth's kids and told her that Ruth had passed away and Dorothea said that Ruth took too many of her meds, and Ruth's kids did not believe this at all. Mm -hmm. The coroner, when they did an autopsy, it was found that it was a drug overdose, but Ruth's kids still were not happy about this. They they just did not believe that their mom would commit suicide. So then court date comes around and there's actually three other victims that testified that Dorothea did the same thing that she did to Malcolm but none of them were willing slash able to testify so right before the court date Dorothea goes to the bank and took out the money from the catering company she bought a a ticket sorry to Mexico and then she went to a friend's house with a bunch of alcohol and this friend was like sure you know you have court in a couple days I'll keep you company Dorothea made the drinks and their friend noted that they were very strong she Dorothea drugged her mm-hmm. and robbed her the next day this friend called the police and Dorothea was found three days later with this friend's stuff and the ticket to Mexico. So then they ruled her as a flight risk and they put her in a holding cell, the first smart thing that they did. Hmm. After all this stuff that she's done, I can't. It's just so much. Yeah. Yeah. So in court, Dorothea pleaded guilty. She was sentenced to five years in prison. Ruth's children tried to reopen the case. Five? Only five years? Yeah. So then Dorothy, or sorry, Ruth's children (laughs) tried to reopen the case, and it was reopened, but it did not end well because it was officially, officially ruled, sorry, a suicide. Uh, So this was just just devastating. Yeah. Oh, that's so sad. So Dorothea Mm -hmm. only served three years in prison. And She's always getting what out What is early. with this good behavior type stuff, like getting out early? She acted like an innocent old lady. That's crazy. So within these three years, she got a pen pal, which was 77-year-old Everson Gilman, which was her second victim. His wife had passed away, and he was looking for another one. Bef- right before she was released, she had another psych assessment done. And her fourth. Yes. They ruled that it was psychosis, but not quite yet. So they stuck with the schizophrenia what? diagnosis. There's just so many times they could have stopped her. Yes. Yeah. And she was told <sighs> that she would never be able to work in the healthcare industry again, that she is not allowed to. Mm, okay. So then, <laughs> three years later, she's out of prison, 80-year-old... 
80-year-old at this point, Everson Gilman, picks her up and proposes to her on their way back to the Yurika family, the one that she was a nanny for. Mm -hmm. They let her back into their house. Did they know? To live there. Yes, they knew that she had drugged people. What? And they had children. They let her back into the house. With their children. So she was actually supposed to have psych assessments done regularly because of the psychosis that they were supposed to be checking on. But she never had a single one because no one checked up on her. Oh, my God. So that's just so frustrating. They're just asking for her to get away with it. Mm -hmm. But they are just writing that into her existence. Like, good God. So then September... 1985, Everson, he stops replying to his family, which is very concerning to him because he Mm -hmm. was very close to his family. They got police to check on him, and he was completely fine, and he actually got angry and then stopped talking to them. Hmm. But Dorothea kept writing to them. So then the Eurekas Did she write to them as him? No, as her, like giving them updates on his life. And how he was doing. But they never went into, like, detail about why he just stopped talking to them. Well, he stopped... He got mad because they called the police. Oh, okay. My bad. So then... I thought there was more to it. <laughs> the Yurikas moved He's out. Upset. So then this house... They decided to still rent it to Dorothea. So then the house is all hers. 1426 F Street is the exact address. So... Dorothea even though she was told she could not go back into the healthcare industry, wanted to make it a boarding house. So she started slow. And 1985, just two months after police checked on Everson, there, his family got a letter in the mail saying that he had broken it off with Dorothea and he was moving south. Okay. And Dorothea had wrote this. It was a lie. They were still fine together. Oh? That's so weird to lie about. Yeah. Definitely just like, well, it's obviously a setup. Well, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, but it's just... mm. So then, 1985, right before Christmas, the Yurikas stopped by because they were going to visit family, and they said that... Everson seemed ill and weak and then by the time that they got back from their vacation he was gone Hmm. and Dorothea said that they had split and he left what really happened was she killed him she it's she either drugged him over time or drugged him and then suffocated him oh there is a room in the house called the death room. Oh. She locked his body in there for a few days Why? while she was trying to figure out what to do. Oh, God. You think about that before you do it. Yeah. So then oh. at this time, there was another tenant that just lived in the basement. Mm-hmm. I or- literally forgot that people were living there as well. I have a question. You might already answer it. Did something happen to his body? Like, was it hot? Like, did it? you know or did you're gonna find out okay so dorothea asks the tenant's boyfriend 
Jesus Massa to help her out with something. Oh. She shows him the body in this room, and he freaks out, and um. she t- asks him if he, she, he can help her, but he's totally freaked out. Well, and yeah. she says, well, don't tell anyone. And what? he never tells anyone. What? Oh, my God. <laughs> so I would then, immediately be going to the police. She didn't even, like, say, oh, you know, he's old. He just died. Like, she like didn't even try to be like, well, it wasn't me. He's just dead. But I didn't do it. And he. Well, she told she told him that he was a tenant who had passed away. And she needed help. Disposing of the body. Uh, Well, at least he didn't help her, I guess. Yeah. So then she was having the top flooring redone by this guy named Ismael Flores. And Mm -hmm. she asked him to build a book storage trunk. Oh, Oh my God. The dimensions, six feet long, two feet deep, two feet wide. Body sized. Yes. He makes it, and she asks him a few days later to help her move it to mm-hmm. a storage unit. Um, oh. When he shows up, the box is nailed shut, and oh. she says that there's just books in there. On okay, the but way, why is it nailed shut if it's so books? Sus. Yeah. On, on and the also, way, there has to be a smell. I know! You would think. You would think. So, on the way to the storage unit, she asks him to just pull over. So he pulls over, and there's a river and a railway track, and she tells him that she decided that she just doesn't need the books. They're junk. She just wants to get rid of them, and they leave it by the riverbed. Why? What? On New Year's Day, a man found the box because of the smell and called the police. There we go. Now? The body was found, but it couldn't be identified because it was too decomposed. Oh, no. And they couldn't find out a cause of death either. They put it out in the news asking for any leads. After this, so no, nothing came forward, Dorothea continued to write his family. They thought that he was still alive. Wait, oh, no. but she told them they separated and he moved south. So what did she have to say to them? She would just exactly. check up on them. What was crazy was he was getting checks from because his wife had passed away. And at this mm-hmm. point, Dorothea was still getting money from his checks. Oh. She's just still getting his money. Good Lord. Um, well, nobody knows he's dead. Yeah. Um, exactly. That's true. So by this point, the woman who was renting the basement moved out. So the entire I house moved out was too. Dorothea's. Same. Uh, she could fit up to eight people, and everyone had their own rooms. She did everything, cooking, cleaning, taking care of all of the tenants, and... The tenants' opinions about her were very split. Some hated her, some loved her, some reported that she was abusive, especially oh. to alcoholics. Oh, because, ah, because okay. Of her childhood. Even mm-hmm. though she was one, she was an alcoholic. Self hatred. Yeah, definitely. So, this is where we get into her killing the tenants. So, when she got tired of a tenant, she would just kill them. What? When they would start asking about where their money was going, she would kill them. So her first tenant who she killed, this was in 1987. It was 80-year-old Betty Palmer. She was very high-spirited, 
like life of the party mm. type of old lady and she was only there a couple weeks oh what when she suddenly started to get tired and ill and then a couple another couple of weeks later she just disappeared dorothy had told the other tenants that betty's daughter had come to pick her up and take her back home with her but nobody saw that i yeah. mean really what happened was betty killed or sorry dorothea killed betty in the same way that she killed the others um, she either was drugging her slowly over time, which is more likely because she started to get tired and mm -hmm. ill, even though that wasn't how she was when she first came. Mm -hmm. It must have been, like, immediately after she moved there if it had only been a couple weeks. Yeah. Yeah. So then, disposing of the body, she <sighs> took it to the death room for a couple of days until oh, she what? could get a hole dug. She since, From this, who? since this was her first killing by her, well, not by herself, but of her tenants... She was more careful, and she didn't want it to be identified, so she cut off the hands, the feet, oh. and decapitated her. Oh, my God. She wrapped the rest of her body we in We really cloth. always find similar cases. Mm -hmm. She wrapped the rest of the body in cloth and dug a hole in the front yard and put the rest of the body in the hole. Her hands, feet, and head have never been found. Oh, my God. That's so sad. Where were they? Unless they just decomposed in the death room or whatever. Yeah. It's mm. it could be that they're in the yard somewhere, but they've just never been found. And Dorothea has weirdly never given it up. Hmm. Would never tell anyone. I know the house must have smelled so bad. That's well, crazy. Yeah. Here's the thing: the tenants did hear every time she would drag someone's body, but none of them were suspicious. Oh, I would have been that, out of that house so fast. Yeah. No <sighs> way. They're like, oh, she's just dragging a body again, but not mine, so it's okay. Well, did they know that they were dragging a body, or did they, that, were they just like, oh, it's just like a heavy... Yeah, they didn't know that it was yeah. dragging a body. They nah. And they weren't... They didn't think that that's what it would be. So... She's just well, a little old lady. Well, like a normal person would, you know... She's just a little old lady. That's crazy. So, the next day after this, she had concrete put on top, so she's being very careful. She um, learned her lesson. This was believable to the other tenants until betty's daughter actually showed up oh when her daughter oh showed God. up dorothea wasn't there so the tenants talked to betty's daughter and they were like we don't know where she is we were told that she was with you oh betty's so even the tenants didn't know that she died no because they told her her daughter picked her up oh yeah so sorry about that okay no, it's so much yeah it's i lot. i will like i'm like overwhelmed <laughs> so then Betty's daughter left, and when Dorothea got back, the tenants started asking, and she told them that she felt so bad. She put her, she put Betty in a care home because she couldn't take care of her anymore, but she didn't want anyone to know because she felt bad for not being able to take care of Betty, which mm. is not true. Yeah. So her next victim was 62-year-old James Gallup. He was an alcoholic, mm -hmm. and she actually brought him to the house. She found him at a bar. He oh, didn't. He didn't want his checks signed over to Dorothea, which is why she got mad at him, and <coughs> she eventually killed him. This time, she didn't cut off the hands or the feet or the head. She just buried him in the yard. She told the tenants that he just left. Okay. <laughs> like what? But mm. the thing 
about James is he had a brain tumor and he had actually had surgery and after she killed him she remembered that he would have checkups oh Oh, no so she called the doctors before they could call her and said that he left and she didn't know where he went but he probably went to another doctor they didn't believe her they looked into it but nothing ever came out of that she bro she just keeps getting away with it yeah so her next victim is 64 year old vera martin and she had a lot of health conditions and she was only there for one week and dorothea killed her she was not wasting any time with these people no it was probably the ones who were like the most suspicious of her and like realizing that she's the ones who asked questions Yeah. yeah So then her next victim was 55-year-old Benjamin Fink. He was there in the house for a full year, but he was an alcoholic. So she killed him. The tenants did notice the smell. Okay. And the neighbors also noticed the smell. Oh, because she's probably not cleaning the death room in between. So She's just leaving it. And the fact that the neighbors could smell it at that point. Do you know how bad a smell has to get for the neighbors to smell it? That's crazy. Dorothea said that she had been using fertilizer oh. and that it should go away in a couple of days. What? Okay. Fertilizer didn't? The smell wasn't coming from the yard. It was actually coming from the death room because mm-hmm. it had soaked into the floor. So no matter like, how ew. much she had cleaned it, it was just going to smell. Right. Oh, that's um, so disgusting. Her oh next my God. victim was 78-year-old Leona Carpenter, who was actually one of her favorites, and she was there for a while, but then she became too much to take care of, so she killed her. Oh. After that, it was 51-year-old Alberta Montoya, who was homeless, and he had been... Oh, I've heard on, about him. Yeah, it, this one's important. He had been sleeping on the street, but then a couple nights a week he had been staying at, like, a shelter. Mm -hmm. And this is where he met Judy. She was a charity worker, and she became friends with Alberto, and she actually got him a room in the house. Oh. So she kills Alberto after a while, and... What's a while? Or did they not specify? I couldn't find. Oh, it's okay. Probably a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Judy was calling and asking to talk to him, and she would show up and ask where he was. Dorothea told her that she had sent him to a family member to help him because he had gotten sick. But um, he was actually the most able-bodied person who was ever in that house. He would help her with a lot of projects. Yeah. He was the youngest. Mm-hmm. He didn't have a lot of health conditions. So this was weird to Judy. Immediately, Um, like, a red flag. mm -hmm. Yeah. In between this, her victim, her last victim, 64-year-old Dorothy Miller. There's not a lot about her. This was just her last victim. So this was between Judy being suspicious. Mm -hmm. Uh, A couple weeks later, Judy calls again and is, like, where is... She called Alberto. She called him Bert a lot. Yeah. She then tells Dorothea that if she doesn't get a call from him, she's calling the police. Mm-hmm. A couple days later, she gets a call from a man claiming to be Bert's uncle. 
and he said that he took Bert into his custody, and he Bert did not want to talk to her. Custody? He's like 50. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Judy calls Dorothea, and Dorothea says that she was out at church while this happened, and she just found a note from Bert's uncle. Oh, coincidentally. Judy didn't believe this either, and she called the police. The police went to check on the house, mainly for Bert, but the police found nothing. How? What about the smell? How? How? The smell. And the floorboards. They found nothing. How? So they talked to Dorothea and another tenant named John Sharp, who was said to be very reliable. They both gave the same statement that Bert had just left with his uncle. So when the police went to leave, John Sharp met them in the yard and told the police that he needed to tell them something and he wanted them to meet them at a park, meet him at a park later. Yeah. So the police met him at a park and John told them that he lied about Bert and told the police that Dorothea said to tell the police all these lies. And John actually heard a lot because he had the room underneath the stairs. So at this point, a homicide team is called Uh, in. Finally, like somebody actually doing something. Yeah, because the police decide that it's too much for them. So they call in in the homicide team. The Mm. main detective is John Cabrera. Oh, okay. He looks, they look up Dorothea's history and see that she was on probation, see that Finally. she was not supposed to be running a boarding house. Mm-mm. So After all these years and they finally look into her history, like. Mm-hmm. So at this point, Dorothea is 59 years old. Mm-hmm. Officers go to the house on November 11th, 1988. Dorothea was calm. She let them search. She answered questions. Police found nothing. They went there mainly for Bert. They uh-huh. found nothing related to Bert or anything suspicious except a bottle of sleeping pills that was under the name of Dorothy Miller's, which, mm-hmm. if you remember, was one of the tenants that Dorothea killed. Mm-hmm. Dorothea told them that Dorothy was a relative and that she had been staying there and she must have just left them. The okay. police are still suspicious, Good. and they ask her if they can dig up the yard. Dorothea says yes, but what? she does ask why, and she also offered them a shovel. Oh, so trying to be like trying to do like that reverse like mm-hmm. psychology type thing. Yeah. Like oh, I'm gonna so trick you. Yeah, they need more than a shovel. After right. forty minutes of digging, they did not find anything. What? Oh my but god, bro! The detective, the cement. The detective Cabrera was very determined, and mm-hmm. they eventually found a piece of cloth. So they just oh. keep digging, and they hit what they think is a tree root, but oh. is actually a bone. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. And then they find the rest of this body, and they bring Dorothea out, and she acts completely shocked. Girl, be for real. Like, she does not know. <laughs> keep in with her so act. at this yeah. point, the homicide team brings in the CSI, because they're like, this is too much for us. Yeah. Wow. Um, And they begin digging up the whole yard. Mm. They realize the body is a woman, and they were originally looking for Bert. So Mm -hmm. they are like, oh, this is more than than what we thought was going to happen here. 
So then Dorothea is still at the house, and she asks if she's under arrest. Um. And the police are, or Cabrera, the lead detective, says, no, but can you come down to the station and take a lie detector test? And she says, no, she's too anxious. And she says that she's actually too anxious. She wants to get away from the house. So Dorothea asks if she can go for a walk to a nearby hotel and meet with her nephew to get some coffee. And the police say yes. That she can just walk away. Are you for real? And nobody, like, follows her. So, well, Cabrera... Come on. That was literally so in front of their faces for her to be Mm -hmm. like, I'm going to go to a hotel with to see my nephew to go get coffee. The fact that the reason you actually came back to dig up the yard is because somebody said, hey, she had me lie to you. Mm-hmm. Hello? Like, so then, so, oh my God. Cabrera escorts her to the hotel and <sighs> leaves her there. Then he goes back Bruh. and they find a second body of a man. Bruh. And then they realize this is probably tied to Dorothea and they're all like, where is she? And Cabrera is like, Oh well, you know. Now I just you let realize? her go to a hotel. So then, an officer, I just let her escape. Yeah, literally, that's literally mm-hmm. what they're saying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so then, another officer goes to the hotel, and Dorothea is gone. Well, no a wonder. Third body was found, and this one was wrapped in a lot of cloth. Mm-hmm. So it's suspected that it was an earlier case when she was being more careful. A neighbor found a box of a bunch of random stuff in their yard that Dorothea had dumped earlier that day, mm-hmm. and it was of the victims. They she, got, couldn't have, she could have dumped it farther. Yeah, yeah. I like, know, girl. You're, in, you're in she, too deep at this point. She, no, like, it's just the fact that she wasn't that careful, and they just, everybody ignored it, mm-hmm. is what's so, it was right next door. Like, she's not even trying. I I firmly believe her being a woman definitely had, like, 100% to play with this. She looked innocent. And she was an older woman. Mm -hmm. And not even that old, but she made herself look older. Like, these pictures of her, though, like, she looks old. Oh, I know. Well, that's also, like, the last case that we talked about in a previous episode. Like, this woman who kidnapped a baby was an old lady. So they're like, Mm -hmm. she's trustworthy. Yeah. So... They got a list of residents that were at the boarding house and saw Dorothy Miller's name, who Dorothea had lied about and said was a relative. Mm-hmm. The third day into the investigation, there was still no sign of Dorothea, and two more bodies had been found, so now there's a total of five. Mm. And at this point, the police were getting an insane number of leads as to where she could be. Now and they, are. they get information from a halfway house for convicts. Don't tell and me. it was found out that the parolees at this halfway house were actually the ones digging the graves. So if you were wondering how she was digging all those graves, she would hire the parolees. They didn't know. She would hire the parolees saying that she had some work that she wanted to be done and needed these holes to be dug. So yeah. they would come and dig them. One of the parolees realized that he might have helped unknowingly when Dorothea asked him to call Judy, pretending to be Bert Montoya's uncle. Mm. Dorothea told this parolee that she was just tired of getting calls from social workers and needed them off her back. 
Okay. But why did you need them off your back? Because you killed them. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh my god. Another body was found, so this is the sixth body. That's and then they moved to the front yard where oh. another body was found. I totally this forgot was the she seventh the one. Mm-hmm. Right in the front yard. How did she get away with that in the front see. yard? The front yard. Literally. The body that was in the front yard was the original one that the police had found. This is the one that had been mutilated, and mm-hmm. this was Betty's body. So there was also a claim that Dorothea had been found digging in the lot across the street that was about to be turned into houses, but the police never found anything, so it could be possible that that's where Betty's hands and feet and head are. Or another Uh, person. Yeah, or another person. So 300 items of evidence were found and taken out of the house. Three. She just left evidence lying around. Like, Um, she's not trying, and they're just... They just, like, let her get away with it for so long. Mm-hmm. 300 is crazy. So That's day five of the investigation, Dorothea is still not found, and they have seven bodies. This is on the news everywhere. It's international. And the Eversons family, her husband that she killed and left in the box, yeah, see <laughs> this on the news and know it's Dorothea, and they call the police. Mm. So that evening, a hit on Dorothea was brought into the police that she was at a bar. She had shared where she was staying with this man. Smart. And mm-hmm. the police, it was a local motel. The police went there, and she gave a fake name at first, but then they told her that they knew who she was, so she just surrendered. Yeah. The fact that she didn't even leave town, and it took her how that took them how many days to find her? Five? Yeah. She was in the same town. Mm-hmm. At this point, mm. the autopsies were being done. The first to be identified was Benjamin Fink. It was by his tattoos he was able to be identified. Mm-hmm. Dorothy Miller and Bert Montoya, they still had prints. And then slowly after that, the rest of the bodies were identified. Mm. At um, least all of them could be identified, yeah. though. Especially yeah. with, I forget. Who Betty, was, who was dismembered. Betty, yeah. 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 So and her husband who was in the box. Well, no, he's not yet. Oh. So oh, no. at this point police contact Sorry. other departments asking if they have any missing or unsolved cases and one department does come forward with an unsolved case of an elderly man found in a box. I know who. Everson Gilman. Mhm. And it is mm-hmm. found to be Everson Gilman. My so. bad, I jumped the gun on that one. <laughs> So then yeah. at this point, Ruth's children, if we remember Ruth, her friend that she yep. killed, mm. they start contacting the police again, begging them to reopen the case. It's reopened right. and it's finally ruled a murder. Thank, Thank you. God. Like, yeah. Literally, so, like now the family can at least. Mm-hmm. They have no closure. Better. Right. And yeah. now they have at least some sort of closure. Yeah. There will never be closure for them, but at least like somewhat. Yeah. yeah. At least, yeah. So That's then so sad. Trial was set. She was on trial for nine murders. She The trial was supposed to be 1990, but it kept getting postponed because of, like, the high risk. High risk of what? Just because it was such a interesting case to the press, and they kept finding out where it was going to be held. Ah, okay. Um, so oh, that's so annoying. 
Dorothea was offered a plea bargain to plead guilty and she would not receive or she would not be able to receive the death sentence. But she did not plead guilty. She thought that she could get a lower sentence than life. What? what? How? The trial was held in the summer of 1993. Wow, that's a while after. It was hard because there was no real evidence of Dorothea actually killing the people. There was no prints on the bodies. Oh my god. But all the all they could say is that she buried the bodies. So the defense was that she buried the bodies, but she didn't kill them. They said Okay, that then they, you know who killed them, so who killed them? They said that they died of natural causes no. and she needed to hide them because she was afraid of being caught by the police because she was running an illegal boarding house. <sighs> they said that she knew she was doing wrong, but she needed to keep her job. And the cause of death also couldn't be identified on any of them. Um, but one thing that could be found is that they all had domain in their system, which is a sedative. Yeah. And Dorothea said that she gave this to all of her tenants, but it was found that she had been given a thousand pills. <sighs> and even if she had been taking them every single night, this would still be way too much. There was 150 witness statements at this trial. The trial lasted 50 days. Wow. And... When it was time for the jury to finally deliberate, not all believed that she was guilty. It took them over six months to debate, which is the longest time in U.S. history. Six months? What are you talking about in six months' time? They didn't even come to a verdict. No. Eleven believed that she was guilty and one believed that she wasn't. Oh, come on, bro. They also, they couldn't agree on charges. Murder! So, well, first degree, second degree, all First. They finally, they finally came. This was their final verdict. I'm scared. She was guilty of first degree murder of Dorothy Miller and Benjamin Fink. She was guilty of second degree murder of Leona Carpenter. The six others were declared a mistrial. What? Then Dorothea, so... at this point, Dorothea is sentenced to life without parole, okay. and the jury okay. went to debate on the death sentence or not. They came back in a deadlock. They could not decide, so it went mm. to the judge. The judge decided that she should just go for life. Okay. She was uh, serving her time at Chowchilla, and at this time she had a lot of pen like, during her jail time, she had a lot of pen pals. Bro. In 2004, a pen pal helped her write a book. It was a cookbook. Oh. <gasps> what? That's was, chilling. It was That's titled chilling. Cooking with a Serial Killer. No. That's so weird. Because you didn't. You were only convicted of two murders. Or first degree. First degree, it was two. Second degree, it was one. So then, come on, dude. That's, so you're only convicted. Oh my and you're god! Making other, a profit off and of you plead not guilty, and then you're gonna do that. Mm-hmm. The other six were just declared a mistrial, oh, and they that's never so went un- back. That's so unfortunate. Those people deserve mm-hmm. justice. Yeah. Oh god. On March twenty seventh, two thousand eleven, she passed away at eighty two years old. Now. 1426 F Street remained empty until 2011 when Tom and Barbara Holmes bought it. Oh my um, god, the floorboards. They bought it because they claimed the house is innocent. What? No, it's not. Um, the house is innocent. The community got very interested in why they bought the house, so a lot of people would stand outside. 
Oh, and this cup. Mm, this is disgusting. Okay. This couple decided to start putting out jokes in the garden about the deaths. No. What? And they put a mannequin no. of Dorothea on the porch wearing a famous red coat, which is where it's the red coat that she was wearing when she went to get coffee. No. There's pictures of her in it, of the detectives escorting her off of her property in the red coat. Oh. Yes. We'll that post that picture mm -hmm. as well. And sometimes they put a shovel in her that's hand. so that what is, is so, wrong with them that's so beyond they, messed up what is wrong with you they yeah they put jokes in their garden referring <sighs> to it's not murders. funny and they kept the original floor oh that's, that's a hazard that's a biohazard that's so awful. and they they put signs up everywhere saying it's um, not a tourist it was, attraction. They made it a tourist attraction. They made they, it more of like not like uh, there. There mm -hmm. has to be another word to describe a tourist attraction than that. Like that, they made a it's like disgusting. a joke out of that house. It's disgusting. So vile. Um, That's evil. Up, That's vile. They oh put my up God. signs saying, "It wasn't me. It was that crazy lady. Lady signed the house." Oh my God! You got to be a different breed of evil to do something like that. Why? That's, that's what made, not necessary. I, that's like this. Uh, this case is so crazy. Like her backstory, the murders, how many people let her go after having yeah. four or five psych assessments. But then just Ugh. to end this case after she dies, this couple just turns it into a joke. Ella, you've upset me. <laughs> I told you guys you were going to be upset, upset by this case. Well, I had heard this case before, but I didn't like. I saw it on the show Worst Roommate Ever. She was the first episode was about Dorothea. Mm -hmm. I do recommend watching it if you're interested. But they didn't touch on everything like like we did mm -hmm. here. Like they 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 didn't say anything about the after. There's so many layers mm -hmm. to this case. We're gonna end it there. Yeah. Thank this you for listening. Two part episode. Thank yeah. you for having me on. Of course. It's anytime. always a pleasure. Join anytime. Thanks. I will be. Yeah. Every episode. I'm a new member. Oh, every episode. <laughs> <laughs> She's on. She's hired. Thanks. All so right. make sure to follow our Instagram. At behind underscore the crime. She did it, guys. Once again. I did it. <laughs> we'll post links about this, the episode maybe. And there's a lot of YouTube videos, mm -hmm. too. Oh, yeah. There was a lot of For YouTube both videos. cases. Yeah. And tune in for our next episode. Yeah. Thanks for much, yeah. so much for watching. Listening. I did it. Uh. We're keeping it in. <laughs> thanks. As Ella would say, thanks so much for watching. Bye. Bye.